Aloha, I'm Sol, your host and author of Pay Me What I'm Worth. The holiday season is packed with many unhealthy, unpleasant traditions that can spoil our sense of well-being on many levels. For example, overeating, overdoing, overspending. Boy, those are some common actions during the holidays, eh? What else happens for you during the holidays? Do you all of a sudden find yourself feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you feel more alone than ever before because most of your social circles gets caught up in the holiday cyclone. Are the holidays less than a happy time for you? If so, it's time to add more happiness by joining us in this series. You see, we're going to connect weekly starting the last week of November through the second week of February. Every week we have not only a lecture, but a live class. Each class provides time to laugh, build some friends, vent some frustrations, and to offer support to other people in class. I invite you to join us to navigate the holiday season with a lot more confidence. The friends you make in this series, I can tell you, you'll come to cherish them well past the end of this series. Time for the lecture part of our class time together. After previewing this lecture, to register for the series, click the links at the bottom of the page. Follow the registration instructions to join us for our weekly, live, lively conference call classroom. For less than the cost of a movie ticket and popcorn, <laughs> get ready for some wonderful laughs, some ahas, and some new friends, all from the comfort of your phone. I look forward to meeting you and to being of service. And now, time for class. On week four, we're going to get into how we can cope with a blizzard of communications, connections. How do we keep up in the middle of the holidays? It's interesting to think about how we have increased the number of ways we communicate with each other and with that increase in how many different ways we can communicate with ourselves and with other people, have we gotten any better at communicating? <laughs> I mean, for all practical purposes, a hundred years ago, about the only way you communicated with each other is either directly in person, maybe a letter. You might get a telegraph. That was about it. Today, oh my gosh, how many different ways right now can you add up for a person to connect with you? How many different phone numbers do you have? Email addresses do you have? How many different ways do you text? Fax? How many different ways can you be literally buried in communications? This week, I'm going to invite you to do something that might be initially a little bit crazy, However, you're going to find it will bring you some peace of mind, not only during the holidays, but for the rest of the year. How do we keep in touch with each other and stay sane at the same time? The first item we're going to look at is clear communication skills. Clear communication skills. Now, that sounds like it's a pretty common sense thing to do. One of the areas of concern about clear communication skills especially for those people who you think know you really well. It might be your partner, could be your kids, it could be a, a co-worker or your boss, or somebody who you, quote, 
assume. <laughs> uh uh. Oh, yeah. Assume. You might assume they know what you're talking about when you talk to them. And nine out of ten, that may be true. That may be absolutely true. They may have a pretty good idea of what you're talking about. However, think about this. Aren't they under the same blizzard you are when it comes to communications at this time of year? So with clear communication skills, it's easy to assume that those that we love the most, that we care for the most, that they'll understand what we're talking about. Or they'll understand that when you say something like, well, well, I'll meet you at the usual place, or short code words, you may think they are understanding you. That's where we're going to first begin to look at erasing assumptions. (laughs) I've gotten into a lot of troubles. A lot of trouble because one of the things that I'll do is I'll just assume someone will understand that when I tell them I'll meet them for lunch at our usual place, well, that they will go to our usual place. Well, what happens if I have a different usual place in mind? (laughs) For those that we really love the most this time of year, let's erase the assumption thing and be gentle about it. That's my call to action for this particular week, is be gentle and compassionate as you begin to communicate more clearly, and part of that is boundary setting, and by boundary setting, you can absolutely erase expectations. As you've heard in many of my classes before on Solar University, Expectations are wicked, wild things. Wicked, wicked, wild things. You don't want expectations. Expectations are 99.9999999% leading to pain and suffering. Now, keep in mind, it's really important to understand that there is a difference between an expectation and an agreement. So in this blizzard, in this flurry of connections and communications, I really must ask you to ponder this notion that there's a difference between an expectation and an agreement. Think about this. An expectation is generally something that goes unvoiced. It's assumed. You might expect someone to show up on time or be at a certain place at a certain time, or especially during the holidays, you might expect them to bring something, or you might expect them to be late. It's an unvoiced awareness of something. So an expectation is one of those things that, while it probably is quite true, I'm not arguing that, I'm not arguing that, an expectation is often words unsaid, whereas an agreement... An agreement is something that you voiced. If I call you up and I say, hey, let's get together for lunch. And you're like, great, yeah, when should we get together for lunch? And I say, how's tomorrow look for you? Can we get together for lunch tomorrow? And you'll say, sure, let's get together for lunch tomorrow. And I say, where do you want to go? Well, why don't we go to our usual place? All right, well, I'll meet you at our usual place, what, around noon? And they're like, yeah, let's just meet for lunch at our usual place around noon. Great, bye. Well, 
I just set myself up for a whole bunch of problems unless I really, really know you well. And it's absolutely crystal clear what our usual place is. I've made a lot of assumptions and I've made a lot of expectations. So I'm going to redo that same phone call in a way that it will be abundantly clear who, what, when, where, how, and why. That's our magic formula for coping with the flurry of communications and connections. The old reporters had who, what, when, where, how, and why. One of the most effective things that I've ever witnessed some of my teachers doing is they have something to write with. The second they start a phone call, the second they start a conversation with someone, I watch them write down who, what, when, where, how, and why. And as they're talking with someone, they're making notes, they're filling in the blanks of who, what, when, where, how, and why. And when they're done with the conversation, they'll repeat it back in a very very kind and gentle way, not like some sort of trial attorney that's just beginning to put up a summation. They'll be very gentle about it. So in that same phone call about connecting with you for lunch, I'll call you up and say, hey, why don't we get together for lunch? And you'll say, that's great. When? Well, what about tomorrow at, say, noon? Does that work for you? And you'll say, yeah, okay, great. Noon works for me. Fabulous. There's the when. The where. Where should we meet? Well, how about if we go to our usual spot? Well, okay, just so that I'm clear on what your our usual spot is, because we go to a few places, what are you hungry for? What's the place? Well, why don't we go to that Thai place on the corner of 28th and 3rd? Ah, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'll meet you at uh, the 28th and 3rd, the Thai place, tomorrow for lunch around noon. If it's kind of like looking like we're going to have bad weather, let's make sure we give ourselves a little weeble wobble time, right? So that if Let's just say if I get there at noon and you're not there by, say, 12.30 or a quarter to one because of bad weather, don't worry about it. Don't bother coming if it's bad weather, and I just know you're not going to come, and maybe you can give me a call. What was different about the first example, about that generic, hi, let's get together for lunch? Yeah, that's great. Sounds good. Meet you at the usual spot. And what I just did. If you noticed the who, what, when, where, how, and why. When I wrap up a conversation with someone, especially someone whom I know to be a very busy person and they're most likely multitasking (laughs) when we're talking. Now, I know you're not multitasking right now and you're paying 100% laser focus on this show, right? Sure you are. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I think somebody's been multitasking or I, I know that they're not being 100% attentive to our conversation, I might say something, oh my gosh, you know what? I just had a brain lapse. When did we say we were going to get together and where and at what time? And I'll have the person repeat back what it is that we just talked about. And if that jives with what I remember, then I know that we have an agreement to meet at a certain place at a certain time And that agreement has a condition on it that if it's bad weather or traffic or whatever, I mean, we scope it out. We give ourselves a little bit of leeway so that one person isn't waiting forever and ever. And while I realize in today's world, 
it's so easy to just pick up your mobile phone and call someone and say, hey, sorry, bad traffic or bad weather, or you may not always have cell phone service. Here's a little tip that I use constantly when I travel, especially when I'm traveling with other people, and I'm traveling with other people in a city that's not my home city. One of the things that I do to make sure that my communications are clear, especially about connections, I'll do something along the lines of say, okay, I tell you what, everybody's heading off for the day. Why don't we plan to meet back here in the same spot at our hotel at 5.30, and those who get back here by 5.30 will all go out to dinner together. We'll decide where we want to go. And if you're not here by about a quarter to six, don't worry about it. Enjoy yourself. It's just that we aren't going to wait for you. So if you look at your watch and it's a quarter to six and you haven't gotten back to the hotel, have a nice night. We'll catch you later. What happened there? I set some clear boundaries, right? I set some very clear boundaries. I also squashed any sort of expectations, meaning after I told them that, hey, after a quarter to six, if you're not there, we're out of here. So I'm laying down some some clear agreements versus expectations. You might expect, ah, Sol's a go-with-the-flow guy. He'll hang around. He'll probably still be there around six. We can can fudge it a little bit. Uh Uh-uh. No expectations there. The specifics count in clear communications. Who, what, when, where, how, possibly a why, if you need that why. Sometimes you do. Who, what, when, where, how, and why that reporter's at. For a while, I actually had a, a, a journal printed up, and that was what was printed on every single page. It, it allowed space in there. However it works for you to make sure that you've got clear communications. Last but not least, when it comes to staying sane in this flurry of connections at this time of year, connections via the phone, connections via Twitter and Skype and email and Facebook and Pinterest and holiday gatherings and all the other social events, connections, connections, connections. I'm going to invite you to consider, and I realize we're in the midst of it right now, but I'm going to invite you to consider less is more. Years ago, I stopped hosting big, massive parties, kind of the one-size-fits-all holiday gatherings, where I'd have upwards to two to 300 people coming over for an evening. It was always a blast. It was a lot of fun. But what I noticed is, is I never really got quality time with anybody. Unless I had the money to have it catered, I'm busy running around making sure there's enough food out and ice and cleaning up and making sure that that cupcake that got dropped on the couch doesn't get squished into the rest of the couch and all of that other stuff. I really didn't have a chance to join myself. And When it was all over, by the time the evening was over, I was so exhausted. And I might have been able to share a wonderful hug or a a kiss with someone who I could focus on for a couple of minutes, but I just realized this isn't working for me. So for what it's worth to stay a little more sane, what do you value more? Quality 
or quantity? Quality or quantity? Which do you value more? Is it more rewarding for you to have a whole bunch of people show up and have a huge party going on? Or do you value that ability to have a, a smaller gathering where you actually can have the time to chat with people and catch up with them? Your call. I'm going to suggest that you play with less is more on many fronts this year and going forward. I'm going to close with our call to action. Be gentle and compassionate as you communicate with folks because everybody is at a high stress level at this time of year. Obviously. Gentle and compassionate. And I'm going to suggest that part of being gentle is knowing your own limits, knowing your own boundaries. Set them and stick to them. All right, that's it. Lecture time is done. Time to get into our conference call classroom. And in class, we're going to explore more the information that you just experienced in this lecture. If you haven't registered yet, just pick one of the two options provided at the bottom of the page. Once you're registered, get ready for some wonderful laughs, some soul-nourishing support, a few ahas, and definitely some new friends, all from the comfort of your phone. And as folks are dialing in, we go from the lecture to the lab. We have a co-pilot. Cheryl has been part of the Soul University family for some time, and she decided that she'd like to lend a hand and add her two cents worth into tonight's discussion. So I want to say thank you, Cheryl, and I look forward to learning from you tonight as well. Oh, thank you for having me help you along with this. What popped out for you in tonight's lecture? What rang your bell and you went, mm-hmm, yep, got to do that? <laughs> it reminded me of a story that happened to us the first week that we started taking Pay Me What I'm Worth. We just got walloped with expectations, assuming things, needing to make boundaries, and making agreements. It was funny because I think it was the first class that we had with Pay Me What I'm Worth, Rick had seen three kids at the health food store. They were homeless kids, I'm saying. One was 18 and the other two were in their 20s. But they were homeless, they didn't have food, and one of them had hurt his hand trying to get coconuts and burned it so bad that it was raw and it was inflamed and it was getting pretty bad and they didn't know how to take care of it. So Rick saw these guys, and he invited them home with him. We discussed it and everything. It was only a few days, and we realized that we had expectations, and we had assumed certain things. Like we had assumed that by putting a roof over these kids' heads and feeding them, that possibly they may help us in their stay around our place. And it wasn't so, not in the least bit. And we definitely could have used the help. We asked them, but it wasn't on their agenda. So our expectations slapped us in the face. And for assuming anything with these kids, it just didn't go anywhere. So 
They stayed with us for three weeks. Oh. Yeah. They had an appointment, and they were supposed to be over on Kauai on a certain date. So I made sure that they had the money, that they had everything ready so that they could go because we were just stressing ourselves out <laughs> because having these expectations. And if we had clear communications, it wouldn't have worked out that way. And we hadn't set the who, what, when, why, how, where, anything like that. So we were stuck. Mm. <laughs> It really got us into a quagmire there. We got stuck with everything that we expected. So we learned with that not to have expectations, not to assume things, to get them all clear and right out there in front so that you can relieve the stress and you don't have a bunch of miscommunications and understanding. Oh, I don't think anybody is listening in ever had something like that happened where they just assumed common sense would kick in and people would act civilly and and compassion. I don't think anybody but you, Cheryl, has ever had that problem. <laughs> well, we certainly felt alone and pretty stupid for our... But we learned. It was a big lesson, big lesson for us. I just remember, I think for most of my life, I always thought we should have expectations, grand expectations. Good grief, what's wrong with the grand expectation? And then it wasn't until I got in to pay me what I'm worth that I really took a, more than a surface look at that whole concept and realized, yeah, how many times have I expected something and then and when it didn't happen, my heart felt broken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Expectations. Yeah. This is Regetta. I want to tell you about it's not recently had a sister in law that I felt like was is almost like a sister to me. She was a, actually a friend and a sister to me for many years. A couple of years back I was sick for about eight weeks. Times I wanted to die. I just didn't feel that good. She was talking to me on the phone and she said would you like for me to come up and spend some time with you and help you? I said, well, that would be great. Okay, I made a mistake. She came up, and I offered to pay her way up because I felt like that she didn't really have enough money to do all this, so I did pay her way up. She took a U-Haul. I didn't know she was going to take a U-Haul. She came up with full U-Haul and... I realized as soon as she got here that she expected to move in. Then shortly after she got here, she was using my car. I didn't mind her using my car. She took over my living room. This went on for about three weeks. Well, I got well pretty quick. I, <laughs> she wanted to go back down and visit her family for Thanksgiving that year, and wanted to drive my car and me go with her. I said, well, I don't really want to go that far in my car. And I said, I will pay your way back. And I said, um, I appreciate you coming and helping me. I, you know, I appreciate everything. And so you just let me know what day you want to go. And uh, 
she got mad and not spoke to me since. I tried to talk to her on the phone several times, sent her emails, told her I didn't have any hard feelings against her, but it has not happened. Now, I had an expectation, which I should not have had, right? Wow. <laughs> if somebody showed up at my door with a U-Haul, it's like, what the hell are you doing with that? <laughs> well, I didn't know at the time. I probably would say something similar to that right now. I might I would say, look, there's something wrong with this picture. Yeah. Are you having a yard sale? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. Her family had sort of deserted her. It was more than an expectation. I got a hey, dude, or whatever you want to call it. Well, I'm curious. How does the months of November, December, and January? Normally, I consider my communication skills fairly clear. But something seems to happen where I get short-circuited. Maybe I make assumptions. Maybe I'm just having onset Alzheimer's. I don't know. Uh, does anybody else experience that their communication skills during the November, December, January seem to get a little muddy? Yep. <laughs> I have things on my mind, and I will be typing something that I had on my mind previously, and then I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, there's just so much busyness going on around you, and even in the media, and just everybody's in a hustle and a bustle. Can you go crazy? No kidding. Yeah. Cheryl, do you remember when we dove into that difference between expectations and agreements? Did you remember when we, I think it was Chapter 8, Performance-Based Contracts, where we started really dissecting what's the difference between expectations and agreements? Do you remember that discussion? Yeah, because I really needed to learn the expectation part of it. <laughs> Yeah, that the expectations were basically unsaid things that we just kind of picked out of the air and decided upon ourselves that we expected of people. And then the agreements were things that were written down more and that we made definite, clear communications on the agreement. Do you have a tradition? Remember how we talked about tradition? Traditions in a prior class. I think a classic example of this, especially after a person gets married, is establishing that holiday who goes where routine. First four years of my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it started the day before Thanksgiving because the day before Thanksgiving was one of the Thanksgivings, and of course, the day of Thanksgiving was a Thanksgiving. And my gosh, by the time we got to New Year's, it was like, uh, it was just a stress ball every year, remembering what we decided on and who could be there and who couldn't and why. And then now the mother-in-law is calling me. Right. Well, who's all coming from your? I I I don't know. <laughs> well, wait, wait, we had this all worked out on Thanksgiving, <laughs> and now I need my seating chart. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Good Lord, just yeah. Oh my. 
So <laughs> did you end up hiring a project manager? I mean, how did you solve the thing? <laughs> It was a really cool suggestion in tonight's lesson that I'd actually implemented, and it was the who, what, when, where, yeah. why, and <laughs> When somebody would tell me, I would, oh, get, get out the holiday notebook, write this down in that spot. Every time somebody in the family would say, hey, I'm going to be there at this time, perfect, gotcha, write it down. <laughs> and then when the mother-in-law would call, it would pause the notebook, mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Well, that was back in the day before you had seven email accounts, two Twitter accounts, nine Facebook places, uh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, seriously, how many of you have gotten to a point where you're seriously considering cleaning house? Do you really need that many emails? Do you really need the Facebook account? Do you need the Twitter? Do you need the Pinterest? Do you need the Reddit? Do you need, I mean, Instagram? I mean, my God, how many different ways are we going to communicate with each other? During the holidays, when we're together with each other, have you ever stopped to just observe a person's body language? One of the more key ingredients to my gatherings when I have a holiday event is I'm always scanning to see how often someone looks like they've checked out. Now, how many times have they looked at their watch? How many times have they inched closer and closer to the exit? only to have to go get their date or their partner and reel them in one more time. (laughs) (laughs) So from a communication standpoint, when you're with a friend, with your your partner, and you're ready to go, it's very clear you're ready to go. I'm done. I'm tired. I want to go home. And the Uh person you're with, out of curiosity, David, Brigetta, Rick, do you ever recall a time where you just totally misread somebody's body language and, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> There's a lot of times when I've misread Cheryl's body language because I can tell in the morning by the way she sets something down and by the way she moves her hand when she sets it down that if it's going to be a bad day for her or a good day. Mm. That's how subtle body language is. Mostly, I find that I had more issues with reading women's body language because I've usually worked with women. They were my boss. The boss is for 30 years. And I, I found that because I worked with them, that I was a little bit more focused on them, but that they weren't as conscious of what they were doing with their arms, hands, legs, and eyes as a guy is. Mm. Another nuance to this whole holiday communications thing. (sighs) Folks, as we look at the blizzard of different types of communications, body communications, no language, just bodies, eyes, our eyes really do communicate a whole range of emotions, don't they? And now we've become accustomed in our communication skills, a whole world of language exists in emojis. In fact, it seems that the younger you are, the more emojis there are. I had to get a decoder ring out sometimes to read somebody's text because there are so many emojis, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're trying to say here, dear. (laughs) (laughs) 
So from tonight's exploration about the blizzard of communications and the call to action is quality versus quantity. I know people, it seems to be a high for them that their smartphone is dinging or chirping or bouncing or buzzing or something because they've got every possible notification that they could receive every time there's a new Facebook post or Twitter post or this or that. I mean, the damn thing never shuts up, and they get off on it. They're like, oh, look how important I am, versus quality. When I go out, I leave my mobile phone at home. I I don't need to be that accessible, especially when I'm going out and spending time with other people. So what is it for you during the holidays? Do you err towards the side of quality? Or do you find yourself really enamored with the quantity? Well, I definitely go to quality. Spending quality time with somebody is much better than just having a whole bunch of people and you don't get very personal. If I spend quality time with somebody, it's a nice sharing time for each of us instead of spreading myself too thin and not having anybody to really spend some good time with. Oh, that never happens, spreading yourself too thin on the holidays. What are you talking about? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) So I was thinking about what you were saying about communication. And communication, to me, is a very, very subtle thing. We talk about talking. We talk about body language. But I was thinking, what's the most satisfying communication I've ever had with an individual? No talking. Mm. communication with just our energetic bodies. So, like, when I go into a room, I don't necessarily look at everyone, see what they're wearing, who's, like, going toward the door, this, that, or everything. I sort of like to feel it. How do I feel when I get next to this person? Because I find that when I can look past the, the superficial part, that's when I get to the quality, the real person. When you let the judge take a nap, quality Reigns supreme. Woohoo! I would rather spend one-on-one time with somebody than have all this hustle and bustle around me and driving me crazy. That's why I really cherish having peace and quiet. It's so nice to have peace and quiet. I hear that. I hear that. Quality is what I want. I don't always get it, but quality is what I want. I don't like to be in a big crowd and everybody just talking to everybody and I feel left out or something. I'd rather have a few people spend quality time with them than to have a bunch of people. It's a running score for quality. Are we going to make it unanimous? I like unanimity, (laughs) especially when it feels good. (laughs) I'm a quality person as well. In fact, I would take an hour of light humor over a cup of coffee with a friend from work. I would actually choose two minutes of helping one of my daughters over an hour of coffee and light humor with a regular old friend from work. Because the quality for me, where I hang my hat in terms of importance of relationships, is on four really special people in my life, and they're my children. 
I really like the dividends that's paying. <laughs> mm. Really like it a lot. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I have evolved to quality. Back in my day, I really got off with quantity. It was a kick for me to put out the word, party at Soul Place. It was a delight to see my place absolutely overflowing and stuffed with so many people. That, to me, was success. That, to me, said, hey, you've come a long way, kiddo. So, and I was communicating to the world, look at me, by all these people. And to some degree, when I first started getting into social media, oh, my God, got to get the likes, got to get the followers. I paid so much money to have whatever service get out there and pedal my butt all over the place so that I could get my Alexa score up there. I had so many thousands of hits and likes and tweaks and, and hearts and thumbs-ups and blah, 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 blah. And now when somebody likes me on Twitter or follows me on Twitter and they've got more than 100 people that they're following on Twitter, what do you think I do, ladies and gentlemen? Delete <laughs> them. Yep, you got it. Well, Cheryl, I want to thank you for helping co-pilot tonight's rather lively discussion. I appreciate your insight, your wisdom. Thank you so very much for having me. You did a wonderful job, Cheryl. <laughs> thank you. All right, that's it. I look forward to seeing you in class. Aloha. Are you suffering from worth decay? Here's how you know you might be suffering from worth decay. If you think or feel worthless because of your age, health, finances, or your looks, guess what? You're suffering from worth decay. For those who really want to end worth decay, you'll call and register to be part of our unique self-paced program. Call 312-268-0000 or visit PAY411, that's pay411.co, to learn more about this program.